Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clyde's and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at at ballparkbus. Welcome to uh, Citizens of Natstown. This is TJ Lanomire. Matthew Davila. David Hazard. All right, boys, let's get right to it. Uh, spring training still going on. Um, is it? Well, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, No, no. We have to today mourn the loss of a fallen comrade. Uh-oh. Michael Morris. Oh, he's gone. He, he passed away this week, will not be playing the season. He's been cremated, and... Uh, we're going to have, you know, the final preparations are being made for the wake. I had a friend who actually died because he uh, stubbed his toe once. It was a, it was a, it was a tough day for me. Let's, uh, let's just get this right out here. <laughs> <laughs> it utterly irritates me when people overreact to, A, minimal information that they're spouting out of spring training, no. and B, about little things, even if Morse misses April. First off, he was horrible in April last year. Yeah. Doesn't, didn't really, didn't kill us. Second off, um, they were, uh, in addition to Morse, we, we may miss LaRoche for a mm. while. And uh, I've been told that Morse and LaRoche leave a, leave a quote, giant hole in the offense. Lest we forget, we missed LaRoche for, wait, all of last year. And second off, didn't we, didn't we have a third baseman who's kind of good that was out? I don't, I don't know. Certain period of time, kind of a large uh, chunk. Wait, I think there was some guy who missed like 60 games. We traded for David Wright. <laughs> when? Well, I, did, <laughs> did the team implode not having Adam LaRoche and Ryan Zimmerman last year? No. No, we actually, we actually had a pretty good year last year. Uh, we did miss LaRoche. Michael Morse was, as they say, in beast mode after a period of time. After April. After May. April, yes. <laughs> oh. But I, if I recall correctly, his first month was just awful. He had a 521 OPS or something horrendous like that. Yeah, it was in 211 <laughs> on April 30th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Yikes. he has a strained lat. And, and they use the word today, tear. But <laughs> a strain is a tear. It's just a mild tear. And people say, oh, I had a torn lat. It took it months to heal. Well, maybe you had a major tear. Michael Morris doesn't have a major tear. And if you think about what a tear is, your muscles are torn every day. Every time you use a muscle, it tears the fiber and then rebuilds it. That's what working out is. Weightlifting, yeah. running, anything, really. And so Morris is he's, he's has a big guy. A nagging <laughs> You know, let's call it what it is. It's just a nagging injury that yeah. may keep him out for opening day. Yeah. So right now it's that he may be out one day. So it's the equivalent of being not on the DL but day to day. Right. 
And I agree, you know, like I've been listening to all the chatter for spring training this year, and it, the thought popped in my head, wow, there's a lot of nagging little things that are coming up for a lot of players. But that's all they are, nagging little things, you well, know? And, I mean, it's – and also it's spring training. We got we got time. Let's worry about it. If it's, if it's going to be a big thing, let's worry about that when it happens. There's something in sports I like to call the Shaquille O'Neal injury, which is basically – you could also call it the Bruce Smith injury, but you're a veteran player, and you go, "Al, my knee hurts." Suddenly, everybody's writing about how you how you it, need need uh, your your knee no, meniscus no, no, operating no, no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> your knee hurts as long as it's not the regular season. Then it's the regular season. I'm, I'm fine. Well, that happened last year with uh, with Henry Rodriguez. They put him on the 15-day DL because of... They didn't have options. They didn't have options for him. And right. uh, they wanted Chad Godin and Brian Broderick to... Make the team. Make because the team. they were yeah. better than Henry Rodriguez in spring training. And who's on the team still? Uh, Henry Rodriguez. <laughs> right. We all remember what a huge success Brian Broderick was. If you if you think I'm serious there, I'm just going to take you out back and shoot you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's... The, the games work completely different than regular season games. In regular season games, the goal is to win the game right? or to win the series. You sometimes for yeah. sacrifice the game. I mean, you, you, the ultimate but, goal is to win the game you're playing, which right. is part of a series, which is ideally you win at least two or three games of the series, three, four, whatever. Yes. Yes. But, you know, that's the minutia of managing. We, we could get into that in the yeah. regular season. Uh, but in spring training – the goal is for players to get in shape mm. for the regular season. Like today, Gio Gonzalez was was pretty bad, no. but he got his pitches in. And, and the other day, Ryan Perry closed the game. Mm-hmm. Ryan Perry's not a closer, and if Gio Gonzalez is having a day like he had today, he'll be pulled long before he gives up eight runs. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, the the reporters were saying that he left the mound smiling, smirking, like, "Well, well, I really screwed that one up." I mean, do you think he's going to be doing that same kind of thing in in the regular season? And I mean, he said it himself; he felt fine. Mm-hmm. He just didn't pitch well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was happy that it happened here, and not when you know when the games count. Yeah, I mean, there you know, like there has to be a certain point where it's spring training. You're an established major league pitcher who's on a team that gave you a what four year deal to go on top of the five year deal to go on top of the one you already have or to take place of it. And uh, you've essentially, you've essentially put yourself in the mindset. Well, it's okay. You know, it's spring training. Yes. It's spring training. If, if he was, Oh, I don't know. Garrett mock of a couple of years ago, maybe he'd write about it. You know, fighting for a roster spot. Maybe if he was John Lannon and Chen Ming Wong, he might be worried about it. But he's not either of those guys. He's got a spot in the rotation. They have a list of pitchers every day. He goes, this guy will pitch this many innings or this many pitches. Then the next guy follows. Then the next guy. Then the next guy. And then after that, they have an additional list of, in case someone gets hurt or really messes up, which you have to really mess up in spring training, you're told. Then they have additional pitchers that are – available to pitch no it's not at all like a regular game where this guy will pitch until he's ineffective and then he's removed and you know i mean the great example we've talked about it before is you know last year drew soren had a nightmare of spring training and i mean you look at what he did in the regular season in 2011 i mean it was just not only was it fun to watch but it was it was quality stuff i mean there's two teams right now 
in spring training that have winning records. The mm-hmm. Oakland A's, there's one too that have winning records, but the Oakland A's have a winning record, and the Padres. I don't think anyone in their right mind would predict an Oakland A's San Diego Padres World Series based off of spring training. But there's a lot, a lot of people who aren't necessarily in their right mind. Like me, for example. I think they're going to the World Series. All right. <laughs> I'm sure you could win some money in Vegas if you made that bet. I'm sticking with my uh, Houston Astros uh, uh, Baltimore Orioles prediction. Yeah, yeah, no, that one, that one's going all the way. I think both those teams win at least 95 games this year. And by win, I mean lose. I mean win. <laughs> so, uh, another another person that is drawing a, a lot. I wouldn't say concern. I would say drawing a lot of ire. Uh, is one Ian Desmond? Of course. Yeah, getting a lot of uh, what? Just a lot of hate coming from all sides. Uh, but the person we don't talk about, and, um, well, that's fans, please put away your pitchforks and your torches when I tell you this. Um, uh, Danny Espinoza. Yeah. Uh, he's he's more or less the golden child here. And yeah. uh, if you look at his – if you look at him last year in the first half, uh, even especially fielding-wise, he he was great mm-hmm. in the first half. Yeah, Come about caliber. Come about the All Star, yeah. he fell apart, and you don't hear a word about it. Yeah, he had what twenty errors last he, year. He had he had twenty errors last year, and Ian Desmond had how many? Twenty one. Yeah. So everybody is the worst fielder of all time, and Danny Espinosa is I mean like the greatest. He's yeah, the he's, top. I, you know, and, and Espinosa is fun to watch, but you know he's also at second base, and uh, I mean. How many hits does 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 Espinosa have in spring training right now? How how many times has he actually been on base? We're gonna look that up as you see. <laughs> continue talking. Okay, about okay, okay. Process. But I mean, like, it's it's just weird because I mean, and we've talked about this before. How Espinosa and uh, Desmond—they're essentially the same guy. You know, both rangy shortstops. I want to emphasize that they're both rangy shortstops, error prone with a gun for an arm. And I mean. Sometimes they get to a baseball and you're like, what the, huh? <laughs> you know? And uh, other times they just make the easy play look so much harder than it is. All right, here's Danny Espinosa's spring um, batting line. 222, 282, 222. So he doesn't even have an extra base hit. Okay. But I don't think Espinosa's really worried about a job. No, definitely not. I don't think he's uh, playing too hard for a job. Uh, Ian Desmond's spring line is... 268, 302, 366. So uh, De- Desmond's actually doing a touch better. Yeah, neither of them are doing great, but uh, Desmond's doing a touch better than. Uh, actually, he's doing, you know, both stats aren't pretty, but they're. Both stats are spring training stats. Yeah. <laughs> and then here's the thing that people look at Lombardozzi is hitting 308, 333, 410. Well, and. Lombardozzi wants a job with a major league team, and he's yeah, he's, he's trying to earn it. And that's where him and Desmond and Espinosa are different. He's not guaranteed anything. Everybody's liking what they see out of him. But I mean, it's you know, I I like Lombardozzi. I like what I, I like what I'm seeing. I like what he's doing. But I mean, let's let's bear in mind that you know a guy can have great success in spring training, and we we've seen it happen before. He'll have a great spring. Then comes the regular season when everybody's actually pitching to play a game. Completely different. Now, uh, <clears throat> what we, I mean, 
yes, Desmond and Espinoza, they're the middle of the field. There's no question of the bad point of the season. But if uh, if Lombardozzi is the the super sub, like uh, David here has been has been comparing him to Ben Zobrist, um, can kind of play just about anywhere. How long until that thought, how long of continuing these type of stats or continuing errors in the field or those type of things, it, does it start to creep into and, Davey's and mind going, that's a, you know, well, yeah, well, no. Davey is an intelligent guy. He likes stats. He likes sabermetrics. And, you know, the, the, the other um, manager that's a bit ahead of his time is Joe Madden. Mm. And Joe Madden uses Benzobras. Uh and um, so if you look at the Rays last year, Ben Zobris led the team in wins above replacement player. He was the best player on the Rays. But he wasn't a regular, an everyday player by the definition of everyday player, but he, he got six over 600 at bat. Yeah. He, but he was significantly, we're talking about Lombard, Ben Zobris was significantly better than Reed Brignac, who was probably, not, not pro- he, who was, the worst shortstop in baseball last year. You know that uh, Michael Young for the the Rangers. He was the third baseman, the shortstop, the second baseman. He went between all, and you know the Rangers kind of jerk him around in that way. Well, he can't play any of the positions. <laughs> so. But but he's a good hitter. I mean, uh, and that's that's essentially why they keep him around. But I mean, you know, he's he's another guy who's you know moving all over the place. Right, but he doesn't do it on a daily basis. Right, okay. And, you know, I think Ben Zobris, they have the DH, and that's another way they can get him at bat. Lombardozzi, it, it's going to make the team, I think, stronger because not only are you going to be able to basically have him play, you know, all four infield positions except for catcher. And outfield. And all three outfield positions. He can, you know, every – that's that's, you know, seven different positions. There's seven days in your week. There you go. And, <laughs> yeah. and then you get to Sunday – and you don't have the typical Sunday lineup where you're missing three regulars in the back of catcher. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I think it, it'll be fun to watch Lombardozzi. Um, and, you know, if he can keep doing what he's doing right now in spring training, that'll be even more fun. I was watching the, the game last night when he caught a pop fly in left field, and he had a smirk on his face. And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I was going back through reading some uh, some tweets and some articles. Apparently, uh, Davey Johnson had said to him, he's like, you're not an outfielder until you catch a, catch a fly ball in the outfield. And then I realized why he was smiling, because uh, now he's considered an outfielder, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important, you know, that he's embraced the role, and he wants to, that to be his role, yeah. and that the team is going to do their best to get him, you know, the 400 to 500 at-bats to really find out, if he is a major leaguer in that role. Can I can I point out one thing I think is nice that, I mean, it's not really all that important, but he's also a local kid from Maryland. I don't know exactly what school. I remember looking it up, but I forgot. But he's a local guy. Uh, I, I always think it's fun when you get a local guy. You had uh, Justin Maxwell or Ryan Zimmerman, who's local. Well, Ryan Zimmerman's local, quote-unquote, yeah. Virginia Beach. But, you know. UVA. UVA, yeah. Um, I think that's cool, so. It is. It's definitely something that, that you want, and um, no. I, I I just I feel like those kind of guys end up like, hey, this is my team. You know, this is the team I want to make good. You know, and those 
Like, you, like you kind of have that with Ryan Zimmerman. You know, he's like, this is my team. This is the team I want to play for. And now they signed him to money. He's even more. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Six-year deal. What was it? $20 million, $17 million a year. Something. I don't remember. I never take it at face value when, yeah. when a player says the, the lines about, this is where I want to end my career. But I remember well, yeah. when, when Mark Teixeira, yeah. he was on the Rangers. He said, this is where I want to end my career. I love being a Ranger. I want to be a Ranger for life. Get straight to the Braves. Yeah. I'm, I love the Braves. I've always been a Braves fan. I want to stay on the Braves. I want to be yeah, I think it's straight to the Angels. I want to, yeah, same thing. Look, I bought into it. Let me have it, right? <laughs> Jeez. Rain on my parade here. No, but uh, I think, uh, kind of getting back to it, what we were talking about before with uh, Lombard Dozy and Ian Desmond and uh, Espinoza, uh, I, I really think that if they if they keep not producing i mean it's uh, mike rizzo doesn't really have those kind of patients and if lombardozzi is producing and he can play one of those positions he's probably gonna, he's probably going to play one of those positions yeah <laughs> if they if desmond's really not producing i think or espinoza then you do it he, but he has to win the job in the season and it's going to be a process or you may go out and find someone else i right. mean now the amount of shortstops out in baseball aren't a lot and I put up these stats last week on Twitter, and people were a bit surprised at how just bad the stats are for the average major league shortstop has a a 697 OPS and is going to make 15 errors in the field. Mm-hmm. That's your average major league shortstop. Yep. That's the midway point. And that's not good. Uh, a lot of balls are hit to a shortstop. Yeah. It's a very difficult, it's the most difficult position. It's the hardest position to find someone that can play it. And it's not known as an offensive position. Mm. If you talk about the best shortstops ever, it's not going to be long until someone mentions uh, the Wizard of Oz, mm. Ozzy Smith, or, or uh, Dave Concepcion, or uh, Omar Vizquel. None of those guys had a bat. They, they you know, they batted eight. Wasn't Jorge Mendoza a shortstop? I believe he was, but he was a good defensive shortstop, but he got that title. He helped to create that title, the Mendoza line, because he was a poor hitter. Yes. And there is a, is a saying in, you know, in baseball, he hit like a middle infielder. Yeah. You know? And and wasn't everybody kind of like pumped about the uh, Dan Ugla when he actually got 20, 25 home runs a year? He's like the most... Uh, it's the one best of, for a second yeah, baseman. Yeah, it's the best for a second baseman. Danny Espinosa hit 20 home runs last year. Right. That's pretty nice. It is. I didn't expect that. When you can get that from an up-the-middle position with his defense, it's very nice luxury mm. to have. But the problem with the Nationals' offense last year was twofold. One, they didn't have a leadoff hitter. That was a big problem. And two, they didn't get the production that you want out of three of the four corner positions. The only corner player that produced last year to a corner player's level was Michael Morris. Yeah. So they were playing. I mean, Jason Worth hit like a middle infielder last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't have a first baseman. I mean, well, it was Michael Morris, but. And they, they, it was Michael Morris slash yeah. uh, Chris Marrero slash LaRoche for like you know slash asterisk, Lance Nix slash a couple games. Okay, which even he said, uh, what? <laughs> Lance Nick said that when he was like, I'm in first. Okay, then. Yeah. That was... so, uh, I mean, you know, the fact that, uh, 
And I think that it's neat that we have uh, we have a lot of players, right, who are position players who could play first, who could play left field, who could play the infield. You know, you got Ian Desmond and Espinosa up the middle, obviously. And then, I mean, you got Lombardozzi. It's good to have because, yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have. You have too much talent up the middle. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you got you got a couple outfield prospects and Yuri Perez, Corey Brown. Uh, I wanted to mention the outfield prospect. The team made a decision. Bryce Harper is going yes. to Triple A yes. as a center fielder. Congratulations, now, we made it 20 minutes without talking about Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, we are. But uh, I think this is a good move for two reasons. Because now your center field depth in the minors is Harper, Corey Brown. Yuri Perez, Goodwin, Michael Taylor. How do you feel about them putting Harper in center? See, at first, like my initial reaction was okay, but it wasn't. It was. I didn't really think anything of it. Like personally, I was like, why didn't we do that sooner? Well, I go both ways here. Uh, the the first thing I think about is the the way that they treat like Josh Hamilton, in that. They'd almost prefer him not to play center. They'd rather him play a corner, get the defense there, and uh, he doesn't have the wear and tear there now, of center field. Here's, the, you know, the wear and tear of center field. I, I mean, in the corner positions, you have two walls to run into. In center field, you just have grass to land on. When right. You go to fly and out to catch it. You're going to do running in any position in the outfield. So the center fielder has to cover slightly more ground. But Harper's fairly fast. Harper's issue in the outfield is reading the sinking liner, which is a lot of guys' issues. Hmm. In center field, a sinking liner is a double. Yeah. Well, the other the flip side of it is uh, everything that I read right when he was drafted was that center field would be the easiest position for him to pick up because it was the same Angle. Uh, the same angle and everything that he dealt with the catcher just reversed. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. I, I worry about, I mean, he's a kid. I, I'm not worried about his knees right now. I'm worried about his knees in, you know, six years. Now, do we know that there's not a um, a sprinkler head in the outfield? Man? Well. Because, <laughs> because, you know, it's a horrific image, if you've ever seen it, of Mickey Mantle laying on the ground. But that happened because Joe DiMaggio refused was in center and Mantle was in right and DiMaggio refused to let up for a fly ball. Can also collide with another left fielder, right fielder. Or first baseman. Or first baseman. <laughs> or if you're, uh, what's his name, Hanley Ramirez chasing something down, just yeah. Cadillacing in the outfield. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what those crazy shortstops do? Uh, you know, I look at Harper and it's, the talent's just all there. I mean, you can just see it. And, Center field is your star position. Yeah. And Harper wants to be a star. And I think uh, that will just... The good old Ken Griffey days. Yeah. <laughs> well, our Mickey Mantle, our yeah. Duke Snyder, our, our Willie Mays, a you know, number of star center fielders is vast. Mm. Because it's just a position that, you you know, you need good defense up the middle, and the offense is a bonus. If you think about the Braves when they had an outfield of Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones, and David Justice. That was a fairly good outfield. I don't even know those three played together. 
<laughs> it was Let's Andrew just Jones. pretend they did. I think Chipper was still at third, and that was Andrew Jones' uh, rookie year. <laughs> get, get what you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think Bryce Harper in center field would be, you know, he's got a good arm. We know that. He's got a good bat. Uh, I mean, learning to run the learning to run, run a route to the to the baseball. I mean, he's still 19. He'll figure it out. I don't think it's going to be a problem for him at all. And I mean, he he also has the speed at this point to make up for that. That if he doesn't quite get this right read on it, that he's still going to be able to get to it. Um, if he didn't have that, I, I would probably be a little more worried about it. But he's not Adam Dunn running in left field. No, for sure. No. <laughs> he's, not, he's not Michael Morse running in left field. Michael Morse is, yeah, let's, let's be I, honest. I, think we I always, love Morse, but he's not perfect. I mean, Harper like showed off his foot speed in spring training. He, re, he beat a routine grounder to first base. Yeah. He's not a slow guy. He has the ability to play center field. Now it's all about doing it. That's why he's going to AAA mm-hmm. to do it. And if he can't, well, maybe the Nationals say, come on up for right field. Can, can we just point out that that's, I mean, the the fact that Harper went to AAA is probably one of the smartest moves. I mean, like, I don't know why people didn't, People some some people were kind of up in arms about it. And I, I mean, everybody wants him on the opening day roster. That's 21 days. <laughs> exactly. 21 days. 21, days. 21 one, excuse me, 21 days now, as opposed to a year when he's, what, 25, 26? Yeah. yeah. His, I mean, hit, getting ready to hit his prime. Now, another reason I really like Harper in the center field, and I really hope it can work, is because of prospects like Destin Hood, David Freitas, who are going to be corner outfielders. That's just their position. Mm-hmm. And that's where they can play. With Harper in the center, it allows you, when those guys develop, to have a spot for him, or Anthony Rendon. Talked a lot about what spot is Anthony Rendon going to play. When we had Will Carroll on, he was kind of surprised when we said second base. And he said, I thought he was going to be a left fielder. Well, with Harper and center, Worth and right, well, you know. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Rendon definitely fits there. Um, I, I probably should warn people listening. Uh, we do talk about 21 days an awful lot, but uh, depending on how everything goes, I mean, Harper could be tearing it up down there, but if we don't have a, a specific hole for him, um, or if there's not a need for him to come he's up, gonna stay in AAA. he's going to stay in AAA, and with how Super 2 works with the new collective bargaining agreement, you're looking more at the, the all-star break or a little later, not the the first or second week of June like it was before. But wouldn't that be nice if it's uh, late July? Right, and that's when we and need, that's, and that's when Bryce Harper comes up. Yeah, yeah. The and, Nats are just sitting around saying, "Yeah, we need to really need to trade for a left-hand bat." And someone walks up to Rizzo and says, "What about Harper?" And he goes, "Oh, yeah, right. We'll call up him." And then they just <laughs> trade for some other need, you know, yeah. like Michael Bourne if the Braves are out of it. Yeah. Or BJ Upton if the Rays somehow are out of it. Or Cameron Maven from the Padres. You know, there's a lot of teams that could be out of it that have center fielders. Uh, I think the latter two are much more likely. <laughs> and even if the Braves were out of it, I sure as hell don't think that they would trade as Michael Bourne. <laughs> Not in the division. Uh, man. If we get him in free agency, it's a different story. Yeah, but they're I, not I, gonna, they're not that gonna would be nice. Um, all right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, on the other side of it, we'll be back with uh, one of the founders of the Ballpark Bus. We'll be right back. 
This break in the action is brought to you by Supernova Realty. If you want a house, townhouse, condo, or apartment to match your Natstown state of mind, then visit www.supernovarealty.com. Either way, it sounds like a good idea to me. All right, and we are back. We uh, let me get uh, Brian, Brian from the uh, the ballpark bus on. Hey, Brian, David Huzzard, Citizens of Town. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? All right, so uh, you were one of the founders of the Ballpark Bus. So why don't you uh, first tell us, what is the Ballpark Bus? Well, basically, um, it's just a, uh, a new way of getting to the, the ballgame. Um, right now we have five locations in Northern Virginia. And uh, if you uh, live or work near our locations, rather than having to drive all the way down to the game or catch Metro, you can just make your way to one of our five locations, which are all great restaurants, um, and then just board a, a nice charter bus and enjoy a nice relaxing ride to the game with some buddies. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's all about <laughs> having fun. It's, to us, it's much more than just a, uh, just a, uh, a ride. It's, it's about just expanding the experience before and after the game. I mean, uh, no one, you know, everyone loves their time at the ballpark, but no one particularly enjoys <laughs> the commute home. There. Yeah, so it's also also with your buddies before and afterwards. It uh, just makes the whole experience that that much better. Also, sounds like a safe way to get to and from. Had a little too much to drink before, after, whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the 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 locations. Uh, you you want to tell us um where you pick up from? Yeah, right now. We've got five locations. Um, the first one is in Ashburn, um, Clyde's Willow Creek Farm. Then down in Boston, we've got the, the brand new Green Turtle on uh, North Cleve Road. Over in Centerville, we've got the Velocity 5. In Reston slash Herndon, we've got the Glory Days Grill. And over in Sterling at the Dulles Town Center, we have the Green Turtle. So all great locations to meet up and uh, plenty of parking. Um, the Boston location right across from uh, Boston Common Mall. So if you have trouble parking around there, you, you've got that big old parking garage that's just a buck. So yep. um, it would be pretty convenient for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so um, you got the bus. Um, how much is a seat going to run on the bus there? Uh, our, our standard price is $18 a seat. Um, if you... Uh, if you buy early, though, if you buy about three weeks in advance, you can get uh, you can get your a seat for fifteen dollars. We just uh, we put our uh, bus seats for the first uh, series against the Reds on sale today, and if you buy your seat by this by this Saturday, you get them for fifteen. Very cool. Do you have any package deals? Uh, nothing at this moment. We're sort of in this initial phase where we're still kind of building towards a critical mass where. Um, Right now, if, if we don't have enough passengers, um, we, we're, we're unable to ride. Uh, we're unable to book the bus because, as much as we'd love to give ten people a ride, we won't be a, around very long. Um, <laughs> but uh, once we hit critical mass, word gets out, and uh, you know it's the norm to have enough passengers. We're gonna uh, once we hit that phase, we're gonna explore all sorts of uh, cool packages. Maybe uh, right. you know a ten ten 
and pass right or ticket or something like that. So uh, all sorts of options will open up once we get to that level. Yeah, once uh, in, definitely in the area we're in, I, c I can see this getting big. Uh, what what kind of got you into what what made you come up with this idea? What got you into this uh, this business? It was just um, I did, for the life of me, I can't remember exactly what sparked it. I happen to know the exact day it happened. It was December thirteenth of this past year. Because the very next morning, I have an email marked December fourteenth to my buddy, who's my partner now, Jason, just saying with the subject, I have an idea. Um, <laughs> history, but uh, I just uh, I'm a huge sports fan, and you know love going to any big event. Um, and there's just something in the back of my mind that I always wondered, you know, you know, driving around this area is no fun. Um, I have all the respect in the world for the Metro, but as convenient <laughs> as it may be, it's still kind of a hassle. So if you just had a, a place five or ten minutes away where you knew you could go and ride with a bunch of other people going to the exact same thing, that, that might just be a new way of thinking. So mm -hmm. I just sort of clicked in my head and um, – Gotta, you know, once you have an idea that that seems to resonate, you you just gotta move forward and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great idea. I mean, there's a lot of ways people can now get to Nationals Park. They can take the metro, they can drive and park down there, which gets more expensive every year and will continue to get more expensive as the team wins. They can take a water taxi, and now that you have your bus that they can take, which is just another option of people getting to the park. I think it helps to speak to the fact that, you know, it's really a growing community here, you know, a young, growing fan base, really, here in D.C., metropolitan area. So. Yeah, that's actually one of the things we're most excited about. It's, uh, it's not so much just a convenient way to get there, but the community it sort of builds out in these suburban areas where, you know, you're, you're meeting up with 40 to 50 other Nets fans before the game. Um, hopefully people will be inclined to come a little early, enjoy some of the fine restaurants we've got, have a couple of drinks or quick bite. And uh, it's just, you know, I live out in Ashburn, and I'll tell you, I, I don't see too many groups of 40 or 50 people wearing the Nats gear. But, uh, you know, if you're to hang out in one of these places and, and see that, it's just uh, the, the pregame energy um, that it's going to bring to the restaurants, I, I just think it's going to be a lot of fun and, and you know, connect with fans in your area that, you may not have ever met otherwise. So we need to send our message out into the the, the outstrings areas, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what you know, what you see is one of the things that happened on opening day 2010 was you had a lot of buses from Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia people, what they said, what they fired back with when people said, "Well, the Nats should keep them out," they said, "Well, why don't you buy your own group ticket?" Well, people around here don't need group tickets, mm -hmm. so now there's a bus and. You could say, well, you know what, for a series against teams like Philadelphia or Chicago or other teams that travel well, you you could offer packages. Is that something that you've thought of? Um, you mean uh, riding them, riding Phillies fans in from Philadelphia? No, 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 not, not riding. But, no, but, no, 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 we no, want no. them to ride them into a toxic waste dump where <laughs> they belong, if anything. Wait, wait, Will you do but, that? But, but to, to, to combat, to combat the, the group tickets that are going to be purchased by the Phillies fans, the Chicago fans, St. Louis fans, of offering, you know, not just to ride the bus, but, you you know, it's like $15 for a bus ticket, and you get the group rate of about $15. So it's $30 to ride the bus and get a ticket. And you're wow. in a big section with all the people you rode the bus with. That makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah we've actually, we're, 
um, the possibilities are endless. Like, yeah, we're definitely thinking about uh, how we can package it with tickets as well. Um, again, getting to that level where it's not a question of if we'll be running a, riding, um, running a bus, but perhaps how many buses from that location, that's going to give us the flexibility to really uh, play around with all the possibilities. And I, mean, I can definitely tell you that uh, um, it is a high priority as the thing grows to somehow be able to uh, package tickets with it. Um, so, so definitely, absolutely, Dan. That would be great. Yeah. yeah one <clears throat> shot. <laughs> Now, uh, I have a question for you. We, uh, we've been promoing you guys here on our shows essentially since we started. I want to say since at least the second show we did. Now, as avid fans of the ballpark bus here, do we get any kind of special treatment as far as, say, mm, free rides to the ballpark? Absolutely. <laughs> you guys, your rides are on us. So uh, you guys All right. check it out, and hopefully you'll have a good time. And I can even tell you, like, uh, one of the things we've been thinking about um, – is to, you know, just in the spirit of building the Nats community around some of our, um, our locations, uh, our restaurants, uh, they really want to become Nats, Nats bars, places you would go when they're out of town to watch the game. If you guys ever want to do something fun like a podcast live from one of the bars or something with Nats fans all around you and stuff, too. We could That's a good idea. That. <laughs> uh, absolutely interested in that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I can think of, I mean, I at least have some friends in Boston, <laughs> so, you know, that'd be a, be a good place. I mean, hell, I'd drive out to meet you guys somewhere, so. Yeah, once, uh, once the season starts, we will, uh, we're going to be back in touch with you and, uh, we're, we'll see where that leads us. Hopefully the Nationals part. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Again, we're, uh, you know, we're excited. We just want to move forward and. At the end of the day, this is uh, just supposed to be all about having fun and, and enjoying your time before, during, and after the game. So, uh, so we'll get this thing off the ground, and, uh, and we'll see you guys at Nationals Park. All righty. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, we will uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was uh, that was Brian from the Ballpark Bus. Again, uh, head over to www.ballparkbus.com for uh, any additional information. And uh, we're going to take a two-minute break. We'll be right back. This break in the action is brought to you by Supernova Realty. If you want a house, townhouse, condo, or apartment to match your Natstown state of mind, then visit www.supernovarealty.com. All right, Nats fans, we are back. Uh, Fresh off of our chit-chat about getting free ballpark bus seats. Now, that is the kind of stuff I'm talking about right there. Well, you know, we should <laughs> mention here that, that we, you know, do this for free right now. Out of the uh, kindness of our hearts. Because you need it, people. You know you do. You'd cry without it. But, you know, if someone were to be generous enough to donate to us, we could expand, do post-game shows. I'm just saying I do need a new computer, I think. <laughs> There's a lot we could do. Money makes everything happen. So if you would like to to donate to us, we could set up a PayPal account. For yeah, I, I, yeah, that's not a problem, actually. I have a PayPal account. So, 
All right, now that we're done hitting the fans up for, uh, for money, <laughs> I, w- I would go. I would go more with uh, begging. <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah, that was um, we ain't too proud to beg. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> if uh, if, if you, you were wanna, so inclined, that'd be fantastic. If you want to call in to talk about baseball or to tell us how terrible we are for begging for money, Please the number do. is three four seven two zero five nine six three eight. Again, that number is three four seven two zero five. Nine six three eight. And again, call in to chew us out about asking for your money or talk about baseball. It's really just a lot of fun either way. <laughs> well, we're going to move on to talking about talk about spring training, talk about the minors. Let's talk about the regular season. You know what's odd? We haven't really talked a whole lot about regular season baseball yet. That's because it hasn't started. Yeah, it hasn't started. We got just that. It's weird. Just saying. So uh, Dave's got the the schedule pulled up right here. Uh, we start in Chicago. We go to New York. New York. We play. The Nats start the season with the Cubs and then the Mets. Those are two teams that are, well, what you'd call second division teams. Yeah, I mean, Ladson has even said, I know he said it the other day, I'm sure he said it more than once, the Nats really should start 6-0. I don't don't want to get cocky about it. I mean, uh, things do happen. Um, But there is... It would be it wouldn't be surprising if they started five and one six and zero well, here's the, in that let's, range. Let's try. You know, I, I'm not extra deeply knowledgeable about the Cubs or even the Mets pitching staff, but let's try this: Strasburg versus Matt Garza. Okay. Who wins? Uh, Strasburg. Okay. Uh, Gio Gonzalez versus Ryan Dempster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jordan Zimmerman versus uh, Chris Volstead. I mean, mm-hmm. we're uh, what we're also talking about here is you know best versus best kind of thing. Right. Ooh. Well, okay. Well, Chris Volstead will beat us. It'll be like it'll be like ten <laughs> to seven. He's not on but, the Marlins anymore. Well, but still, he's Chris Volstead. He'll yeah, give up seven runs and we'll lose by ten. That's, I never saw the that guy's there's no sparkle with him at all it's well, just he's a freak and we suck against is he a him. twilight vampire he's sparkle? He, <laughs> I but uh well he does suck then moving on to the mets they're gonna face the mets fourth starter who i have no idea who that is well technically we could be facing the fifth starter and and then the then well then you face the fifth starter on this bit thing and is then it? well no because they might not have a day on all right yes the mets. So we may be facing their fifth and then go up against johan and Dickey. Is Johan really their ace? Still? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, he's wow. recovering from shoulder surgery, but, but yeah, he's still, 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 for... still Johan Santana. Are you going to put R.A. Dickey as the ace? By name. By, by name, yeah. There you go. Um, by name, he is still Johan Santana. I dub thee. But then after that, the Nats have a... Dylan G. We could face Dylan G. He Wait, always almost throws a no-hitter against us. <laughs> now, uh, Then we're... the Nats have an 11-game homestand. Which is amazing. Right. Opening weekend is going to be awesome. So they play two second division teams to start the season. Then they have an 11-game homestand against the Reds, who are a good team, but they're not a great team. Yeah, but they're favored to win the Central. Really uh, over the, the Cardinals? Uh, the Cardinals, I think, are favored to win the Central. Yeah. No, I think everybody in St. Louis is kind of still mourning. Cool. cool. Being gone. I mean, do you but have Wainwright back? Didn't he Carpenter? Carpenter has. Carpenter's going to be out. Uh, what do you call it? St. Louis's starting opening day starter is Kyle Loesch. 
I mean, come on. Yeah, well, but even yeah. then, I'd, I'd put the Brewers but, both but, ahead. I mean, you still have Wainwright back. Um, you, I don't know what the deal is with Carpenter. Then you got uh, uh, his name slipping my mind. That that other pitcher they got. Yeah, let's just talk about the Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, then you know it's the Pitchers Reds. We know about the Reds, who are a good team, but not a great team. Even they're favored to win the Central. The Central is a division that contains the Pirates, Astros, and Cubs. Right. So they're favored to win that division. Yeah. Um, and then then they play the Astros, <laughs> and then the Marlins. Okay, so that's within the first. Three weeks of the season, they're playing three of the worst teams in baseball. Um, that's pretty fortunate, and what? And they have an eleven-game homestand. Then they go back on the road to play the Padres and Dodgers, and I don't think anyone's really picking the Padres to do much either. So that's a fairly fortuitous opening month. Can I make a an interesting point in all this? The Nationals have had easily one of the worst road records. Ever. <laughs> I don't know if it was ever. Well, ever. Well, we, we have a terrible road record. We did. Last year and the year before that and the year before that. Given the year before that, 08, we lost 100 games. The year after that, 09, we lost 100 games. 2010, we all marveled over the fact that we didn't lose 100 games. And, I mean, last year, it was just awesome that, you know, we finished the way we did. But we still sucked on the road. Maybe not as bad as before, but we still sucked on the road. Right. I mean, who's to say that we don't still magically suck on the road? It could happen. I I mean, every team plays worse on the road. I know this, but... It it could very well happen, but that's why in the first month they have an 11-game homestand. Yeah. I I just think that that is a good way to start the season that the Nationals have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they get off to a hot start and the Phillies don't have Howard or Utley for the first part of the season and the Braves don't have Tim Hudson... And the Mets exist. <laughs> and, I mean, the Marlins are going to be tough. The, you know, the, on paper, if you take the talent of the Marlins, look at the offenses in the NL East. On paper, who has the best offense? The, it's got to be the Marlins. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. they got I, Jose Reyes. They got Jose Reyes leading off. They have Omar Infante hitting second. Hanley Ramirez, a rejuvenated Hanley Ramirez hitting third. Mike Stanton who is a ungodly power hitting yeah. fourth. I mean, then you Giancarlo. Got, then you got super contact hitter Adrian Gonzalez wannabe Gabby Sanchez hitting fifth. Then you get to Logan Morrison hitting sixth. Yeah. And seventh, I guess, John Buck. Well, uh, and let's, uh, let's imagine for a moment if uh, the Phillies do have all their starting guys, like, I mean, okay, they're not going to have Howard, but they'll have Utley and... Utley just went to see a knee doctor. Yeah, they're not going to have Utley. They're not going to have Howard. Yeah, Utley's probably going to miss opening day, too. You think so? Uh, yeah. yeah. And he oh, could okay. miss, I don't know about significant time, but he I could didn't miss hear about some that. time. And okay, never mind. Jimmy Rollins isn't the same Jimmy Rollins. That's a lot of offense you're asking Shane Victorino and Carlos Ruiz to carry. Yeah. Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence. Oh, yeah, Hunter Pence. Yeah. People, I hear a lot of hype about him. I, I mean... He's on a fence. I mean, he's he's good. He's not a star. He's not going to put you on your. He back was the best player on the Astros. Yeah, but but look at the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, we all know that. But um, you know, he, yeah, you know, they have Hunter Pence. So that is, 
They have, yeah, they have one guy who's going to be there on opening day who's a threat. He's How old is Hunter Pence? He's, I mean, he's not Victor that Reno's Well, Victor Reno and Ruiz. Ruiz and, I mean, you know what I mean. Right. Just there's, there's one there's fairly young guy. from the Phillies that we know have been a threat for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a team that started uh, Pete Orr at second base with... Uh, right, and Michael Martinez is also hurt now. Didn't we start Pete Orr at second base? Well, that did. was in 2000. <laughs> and the Braves started Pete Orr, too. So. Every, teams, everybody in the NL starts Pete Orr at least once in their life. Yeah. When do the Marlins do it? They have but um, When will they do it? Yeah. The Braves' offense, you know, it's... It uh, looks like it could struggle. You have Michael Bourne at the top, who's a legitimate leadoff hitter. And then Prado, who they kept trying to get rid of this offseason. Uh, I still think he's good. Now, is he, is he playing outfield or is he playing in? He's playing outfield. Okay. And then, you know, they insist on batting Chipper Jones third when he's alive. <laughs> so they'll probably continue to bat Chipper Jones third. And, you know... Their offense, you know, it's pretty much Michael Bourne, Dan Ugla, and Brian McKean. Yeah, but then, I mean, if Hayward is half of what he was his rookie year. Yeah, but he's not. He hasn't been. Well, but he was injured last he year. You can't, you can't, you can't write Hayward year. off necessarily. Yeah, you can't write him off, but you guess. It you was his shoulder. I mean, that's going to affect your swing as well as, you know, you in the outfield as well. And he's still not getting better. It's a little mm. troublesome. And Freddie Freeman is a, you know, was a good rookie, but... If you put up his numbers as a first baseman, they're Adam LaRoche like. So he'll he stop did, the first he half. He did tail off at the end of the year. So he's reverse Adam LaRoche. Uh, he's good at the beginning. He sucks he's had one year, so we don't really know. Yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we can't really. And then they're going to have have either Simmons or Pastor Nicky as their shortstop. How do you say that name again? Pastor Nicky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, and he hasn't he hasn't really done a whole lot of spring training, has he? No, that's why, you know, that name Simmons has crept into the discussion. A player who's never played above high A might win their starting shortstop job. Boy, wouldn't that be a toss-up. And, you know, and Nats fans more in the fact that we have Ian Desmond. Yeah. We could have a guy that's never played above high A. Yeah. <laughs> or we could have Reed Burknag. Or Cesar Torres. <laughs> There's a lot of guys yeah. that we could have that would make people miss Ian Desmond. Yeah, it's kind of like the Redskins and Jason Campbell. It's like we need to get rid of Jason Campbell because he's only mediocre. Oh wait, Rex Grossman's the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> now, do, do you recall who they got rid of him for? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, McNabb. The, the number five. But I, I blocked that out. L- lest we digress back to the baseball talk we care about. Um, <laughs> All right, so if we're doing a, a hypothetical standings at the end of the year, what uh, what are we what are we looking at here for one through five through the NL East? I had this discussion earlier today with someone, and they said they said the team that's going to win the NL East is going to be the team that's healthy. Yeah, because the Marlins, the Braves, the Nationals, and the Phillies could all win it. They all have the talent to win it. It's just, who's still standing at the end of the season? This is going to be the question. I agree with that. I mean, we've had a lot of injuries on the Nationals before. I mean, but they've all come in years where it's like, great, just throw it on the pile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, you know, the Phillies, a lot of their their good players are getting older. You know, a lot of them are getting hurt. Uh, you got with the Braves with Chipper Jones, McCann. I don't think he's he was he wasn't hurt last year. I want to say he was hurt the year before. He's that. been hurt, but yes. Yeah. He had an eye issue. Yeah. Well, that was the year before. Yeah. Well, and um, Josh Johnson on the Marlins, if he's not, if he doesn't live up to exactly what they need him to. Oh, if, if he is not the Cy Young If he's not perfect, they're screwed. I mean, I, I don't, mean, they don't have a bullpen. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they, they have Heath Bell at the back of the bullpen. But if you look at pitching staffs as a whole, I really think it's the Braves and Nationals at the top of that division. And then the other team, and I discount the Phillies a bit because they do have the front three that is very good. Probably yeah. the best front three in all of baseball. But then you get to the back of the rotation, you got, you know, Worley and uh, Blanton are, are Kendrick. And yeah. then the bullpen, who have you got between the starters and Papelbon? You've got Best Contreras. Contreras. I mean that's not really a strong. There's somebody else that I'm missing. There's another name. And they they lost Madsen to Schwimmer. Are you feeding Schwimmer? No. Schwimmer. Who was along with Bastardo that were? I don't want to say lights out, but I mean Madsen. He's not on the team. <laughs> <laughs> he, he no, but I thought Madsen was the. I could have sworn there was somebody else. Yeah, well, I I'm aware of where he. Is. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. You know, you look at the the Marlins and the Phillies bullpen. I don't have them. No. <laughs> they both have closers, but one closer doesn't make a bullpen. Well, and they spent a lot of money on that one closer for a guy who might pitch the ninth inning. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a reason a lot of teams didn't pay sixty million dollars for and both Ryan those Madison. guys, both Papelbon and Heath Bell, they might have their best days might be behind them. I, I really think for Papelbon, they're getting there. I think this last year, he—I mean, he didn't look terrible, but he didn't look. I don't know. I really, I just—I have this feeling about Papelbon that he's tailing off, and I think we'll be able to put a give a definitive, uh, you know, a more concrete answer once we see them for the first probably six weeks of the season. I agree, and I mean, we'll be able to tell that. Need, we'll be able to see plan. how. Um, we'll be able to see how Papelbon is doing. Uh, outside of Boston, see how he does in Philly instead. Although their fans are not much different. Uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty much on par. <laughs> the um, difference is they're in the National League now. Uh, and then, I mean, we'll we'll also be able to see how the Marlins Park plays. While we're on the the topic of rotations, though, there there was an article uh, Dave put me on to that the uh, the Marlins were the Top in the NL East and the number three in baseball. Yes, the, no, no, the, no. The Phillies were number one overall. Oh, uh, okay. So this was just rotation. So, so the starting rotation was number two in the NL East and number, number three, three in baseball. And the NL. Oh, in the NL. Yes. Okay. Yes. The the, the two that were ahead of them was uh, the Phillies and the Giants. Those were the two ahead of them. I would have to think that you'd have to have the Cardinals above them, too. Because you have Carpenter, Wainwright, Garcia, and that's a, and then Garcia. Is the guy I was trying to think about earlier, by the I way. Garcia. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Assuming everyone's healthy, putting that caveat on it. Um. 
I mean, yeah, Philly would have to be one. I mean, mm-hmm. you have how they unleash your two, and then I mean, you got Cole Hamels. If I Hamels mean, is your three, Hamels is your three hole pitcher. That's that's geez, a, that's a pretty good spot fair, to be yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. um, two, the Giants. Two would have to be the Giants. Uh, you got Bumgarner started to turn around last year right. after his uh, terrible what two thirds of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got Linscombe, you got Kane. Yeah, Vogel song. Uh, Vogel song. Yeah. Um. And then you even have Barry Zito coming out of the bullpen. So you got those two. Um, assuming health, I put the Cardinals. Cardinals team. would be there. Um, I would say the Reds too. They traded for Matt Latos. I keep forgetting they did that. The only thing that bugs me about the Reds is that they're in a band box. They're that in a Homer happy place. Yeah, we're talking about the pitchers, not yeah. Where, but Latos is coming from San Diego. Diego. Yeah. You want to talk about extremes yeah, of where true. we're going here. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Another, but, you know, I would also thank the Brewers, you know, with Grinky and Yeah, Gallardo I was going to say, they got Grinky. And Narvison did pretty good. They, they got some good pitchers there. Got them into the postseason last year. So we've just listed off probably five or six. And I would think the Diamondbacks, too. You know, they what got, about the Dodgers? Where do the Nats fall? I would, yeah, I think the Nats, the Nats were ranked fifth in the NL. Uh, that, you know, maybe we're looking through it through our hundred loss colored glasses and want to be a little pessimistic on the Nats rotation. But we look at Strasburg is probably considered to be one of the most talented pitchers ever to play the game of baseball. Uh, Gio Gonzalez was the ace of the Oakland A's. Um, and if he can get his walks under control, he could be a Cy Young contender. And Jordan Zimmerman is just a steady bulldog on the mound going to come right at you. And here's my best. Try and hit it. And then, you know, they got Edwin Jackson and Chin-Ming Wong, Lannon, whoever. Pretty good rotation. You also got the possibility of Ross Detweiler. If not right away down the road uh, a little ways. I mean, he'll probably Another be coming out of the lefty. pen. He'll probably be coming out of the pen to start the season. I think the mistake we were making here when we were listing these other rotations is we stopped. Yeah. We, we, we went, <laughs> uh, you know, with the Reds rotation, it was like, yeah, Matt Latos is good, Johnny Cueto, and then, and then, um, yeah. But it's the next guy's Bronson Arroyo. Then the next guy's Mike Leak. Uh, yeah. You know, it falls off quite a bit there. And, I don't even know who their fifth starter is. They're, they are in a much worse situation with the fifth starter than the Nats are. Yeah. And the Nats' fifth starter is, you know, if Wang doesn't get healthy, it's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> we all chuckled. I'm sorry. I started it. <laughs> it's going to be John Lennon, who, you know, has been a fairly steady pitcher, a four ERA guy, left-handed. You know what you're getting from him. That's a a lot more than a lot of teams can say about their fifth starter. It's true. It, you know what I'd almost like to do? And thought just kind of popped in my head. If Lannon is the fifth guy, um, throughout the season, I, I'd almost want to slot him in, in the three. Just to piss people off. Well, you have <laughs> you have Strasburg and Geo, yeah. power left, power right, and then you have Edwin Jackson and Zim. Who you have 
you know, both power pitchers. And then you have John Lannon, yeah. who's just going to kind of flick it over the plate and do what he does. <laughs> every, but you put him right in the middle of the yeah, rotation no, put in a hard, hard, soft, hard. You mess with I their mind. You just think about it, too. Two lefties back to back. People wouldn't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't get much more different than power lefty and John Power Lennon. lefty, finesse. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's a nice way of putting it. It's like pouring acid on your on your uh, on your skin and then wiping it clean with a nice soft towel. <laughs> I, I think if you know if 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 if, if Long continues uh, to stay down. <laughs> oh God, we're children. Here. We are. Baseball still turns grown men into boys. What? If Wong continues to to not come back, <laughs> all right. If, if, if Wong continues being injured, yes. continue. If Wong remains limp, then I <laughs> then I think that that eventually you'll see Detweiler in the rotation. I, uh, yes, yes, I agree. I think. Um, I think Detweiler would be a good candidate as a fifth starter. I mean, you know, if we had nothing but power guys in our rotation, can you imagine not only how much fun that would be, but, like, how hard it would be for an opposing team to hit against us? And then you have two power lefties and three power righties. That's that's like, good balance. I, mean, you I feel like GMs dream of that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, they probably do. Yeah, I mean, that is... But you know when we talk about Detweiler too, he's—I mean—he's had, dare I say, well, injuries and limited success on the major league level. Even last year, he had limited success in the minor league level. But we're not asking him to be anything good. We're asking him to be a fifth starter. (laughs) Exactly right. We really we have to temper the expectations based on the roles that we're putting these guys into. I mean, even if we went with that idea of putting Landon in the three. He's not really a three. He's just a five. <laughs> it's just fun. And, and it's fun to screw with the other team. But if Detweiler comes in and he's sitting in the five spot, he is a fifth starter. And go and look through the league at fifth starters. I mean, he'll rank pretty high for a fifth starter, but they're still fifth starters. They're just guys to fill in the back of the rotation, eat innings until we can get back to Strasburg and Gio at the top. And, and can I can I say something here about our, our opening day starter this year? Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Boy, that's weird. Who was our opening day starter last year? LeVon Hernandez. Yeah. Oh. And so, talking about the world's soft tosser, and now we got the world's hardest tosser up there. Like, well, things was that Landon way. before him? Well, yeah, Landon. I mean, he's another soft tosser, but it's just weird. I just thought it was funny. I mean, this is the first time the Nationals have uh, a legitimate ace yeah. as their opening day starter. And oh. we have a phone call. Oh. Hello. We better plug in our... Uh, our contraptos. Yeah, so we have to talk to people. A recording apparati. Apparati. Yeah, you guys apparati. like that? That's plural. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> it is now. Go to the Citizens phone. of Town. All right. Go to the phone. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. All right, welcome to Citizens of Natstown. Who do we have here? Uh, this is Gavin. I am a little ner- nervous to be talking to the superstars of U3. There? All right. Hello? Hello? Hey. Hey. Hello. <laughs> there we go. Okay, All right. excellent. How's it going? What's hey. your question? Forgive me for being nervous, you guys. Your star power is just overwhelming. Oh, my God. I yeah. can imagine. <laughs> We're so amazing. 
Neil. Hey. Sorry. <laughs> um, did you know that I just looked up the definition of meh in the dictionary and it came up with a picture of John Lennon? <laughs> but my point is I don't know if you guys have addressed this or not yet but have you guys talked about what could be expected in trade value return for John Lennon that's a good point honestly actually. I if we traded him right now not a lot because the, the league knows that we, we don't have space for him that the best that we can hope for is either he takes the fifth spot until Wong is healthy or he gets sent down um, and actually the the Wong injury is probably the best thing that could have happened for us right yeah. now because then we can – hopefully we can put him out there. He can make his case that he's, he's a legitimate starter, um, you know, a number two – not a number two, probably a number three, number four guy. Um, and then we can ship him off for that value as opposed to the number six starter that he is right now that we're just not going to get any return for. I mean, Rizzo can – I have faith in what Rizzo can do, but – there, there's not a lot that he's going to get from people for that. And I mean, uh, before John Lennon hasn't been horrible for us over the years. He's been decent. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think maybe this year if we have him out there for a little bit, he shows that he is decent. Somebody's going to be like, well, we need this guy on our team. And maybe, you know, $5 million a year or whatever it is isn't so bad. And, you know, because you read a lot of stuff, they're saying people don't like his contract or he's getting paid way too much. And I mean... If you pay five million dollars. Yeah, I mean, in baseball, that's you know, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like guys like Roy Halladay urinate five five million dollars. Yeah, you know? I mean, what's Jason Marquis making this year? Uh, and he made eight million dollars a year with us. Yeah. You know? So, what does an average fifth starter make? I mean, is that normally a guy who's you know still pre-arbitration or maybe arbitration year or pre-arbitration, I should say? Uh, it depends on the guy. I mean. Uh, I'd have to look at the numbers. I, I don't have them in front of me. Yeah. But, I mean, a, nor a normal fifth starter, um, as far as numbers would go, I, I would think would be like a two or three million dollar yeah. top. Yeah. Um, you five is a little high for a fifth starter, and I can understand where people it depends are on service time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like Kevin Slowey, I think, is making around five million dollars, and he's about to be cut. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lennon's been with us since '07. Made his mm -hmm. major league debut, and broke Chase Utley's hand. Just saying. Uh, and the Diamondbacks had to sign back Joe Saunders for what seven million dollars? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and Joe Saunders is the right-handed John Lennon. He's left-handed too, I think. Joe Saunders? No, he's right-handed. I'm not going to get into this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I remember because everybody was making that comparison. He's the right-handed John Lennon. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong, please. <laughs> we can look it up. <laughs> please do. But uh, yeah, I'm. Um, his contract isn't terrible. It's a little high for a fifth starter. It also depends on what the the incoming team is looking for. I know the Tigers have been mentioned a lot, and with the Tigers, he would be a, a fifth starter there. Um, and I can understand them not really wanting to uh, assume that entire contract, and that, too, is going to bring down his trade value. I mean, you know, John Lennon, he, may, he might not look pretty when you look at advanced stats. Um but he brings like a solid ERA, a lot of innings. I mean, in some years he could be, you know, just like Levo, eating innings somewhere. And I mean, every that's valuable on some level. Okay, so John, uh, I've been proven wrong. Joe Saunders is left-handed. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> I mean, I think the team that ultimately is going to end up with John Lannon is a team that, you know, gets to the regular season and goes, oh wait, we need pitchers. 
what, what was this? This is news to us. Like the Astros, what, what's their rotation? It's Wandy Rodriguez and people. Pitchers. Oh, they, they have Levo now. Oh, yeah, Levo. Could be reunited. Hey, he could be the race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that's where we sit right now. I, I think the best option for us uh, as a whole is to let Landon kind of prove himself, uh, give him a couple weeks in the regular season, see how long we can push off uh, Wong coming back um, to increase his value there. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Gavin, good to hear from you. Thanks for calling in, buddy. It's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. Um, that was exciting. We had a caller. Yeah. yeah. That was exciting. We had a caller. <laughs> Legit caller? Yeah, like an <laughs> actual question. Not <laughs> Fantasy football advice. Yeah. So um right. <clears throat> so we're we're on rotation. Do you guys know you don't have to wear headphones when we uh when we I'm just like right? the long- <laughs> we just like the way it feels, okay? It makes Jeez. us feel uh, you know, like we're like we're legit. Yeah. Why why you gotta rain on our parade, DJ? I mean, next week we're just going to bring the big microphones here. We're not even going to plug them in. Just yeah, to... we're just going to have them sitting next to a spit guard and everything. The old school <laughs> radio microphone. We'll have, we'll, make, we'll have the little things to make like the door slamming sound effect. <laughs> we'll put on like a world of the worlds type show. <laughs> <laughs> got a sound guy now. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got uh, we've got about ten minutes left. So let's uh, let's go around the horn here with some uh, some finishing thoughts, and then we're gonna we're gonna get right to our interview with uh, Dirk Hayhurst. So spring training, meh. Don't worry about it. Injuries, whatever. Drew Storen's cool. Everybody's cool. We're all happy. Drink a beer. Go to sleep. Yeah, probably we're gonna <laughs> get news tomorrow that uh, Michael Morris's lat exploded inside his body and is now infected and. His teammates heard it. You know, his lat actually just disappears. It's gone. <laughs> he has no lat. Maybe it yeah. became its own person. Maybe yeah, it beca- maybe that was maybe it turned into his appendix. I have, it has its own Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's the where's the Michael Morse's lat Twitter account? <laughs> Don't Boom. give anyone any idea. Boom, it's there. Okay, and it's happened. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's already arrived. somebody's already doing it. <laughs> I you know I have a philosophy with with um, baseball and don't wor- don't fret over the bad thing until the bad thing happens there's really no reason to worry that michael morris may miss opening day that adam laroche may miss opening day until they do miss opening day agreed yeah i i couldn't agree with you more i mean excuse me the uh the training staff has had its uh its mishaps I'm pretty sure that if there was a firing and a replacement in the training staff level, we wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah. But uh, they have had their mishaps. But, I mean, the the honest part is a lot of this stuff, you're not going to recognize that it's more serious than it is until a little bit further down the road. I mean, uh, Sammy Solis, we sent him out to Dr. Yoakum, and he said, nah, he's going to be cool, just (laughs) – rehab it and we'll see what happens and then um what two months later a month and a half later yeah he needs tommy john uh some of that stuff you can't help um exploding elbows you can't help strasburg zimmerman uh granted we missed out on zimmerman we missed or strasburg we missed out on like a week of rehab time that's not really a big deal zimmerman we missed out on a month we we probably could have avoided a little bit of that but i mean really 
in the context of what we're doing, what's the big difference between having Jordan Zimmerman back in September of 2010 or in, you know, mid-July of 2010? Are we, are we going to make the playoffs? Are we really going to try and stress this guy and push him right back into yeah. doing full duty? All? No, we're yeah. not. And I think, you know, what people miss with the guy like Morris is the issues with his career have been injuries. He's an injury-prone guy. And so an injury-prone guy gets injured, and people try to... And when, when was the first time he played a full 162 games or almost 162 games in his baseball career? Last year. He played 130-something games last year. Yeah. That's the first time he's ever done that. So, I mean, uh, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing, that's town. Uh, spring training, spring training, injuries happen. Let's fret about them when we get the bad news. Uh, next, we have uh, New York Times bestseller Dirk Hayhurst. We're going to throw this interview on, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. All right, Nat Sound, we're uh, live now with a uh, New York Times bestselling author, Dirk Hayhurst. Uh, Dirk, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing uh, doing well. Doing pretty good. Doing good. So uh, let's let's uh, let's get this going off right right now uh first things first um uh, love the book it's <laughs> i i love the first one was really excited for this one to come out and i have to say the first question i have is the the scenes with your grandmother are those exaggerated at all or are those pretty pretty true to form actually those are not exaggerated at all <laughs> um but they're not exactly true uh because i had to pull a lot of punches She's actually a lot meaner than that. <laughs> yeah, she's she's actually. I mean, she's cruel to people that she doesn't know. Uh, she stereotypes. She can be racist. Uh, you know, I mean, just all the great the great things of like old people suffering from dementia. You know, she has <laughs> all of those wonderful traits. Um, so yeah, she can be really just straight up nasty when she wants to be. <laughs> and and I think like and like you know how the Hulk gets angry or like stronger when he gets angry? Like my grandma gets more vicious when she gets upset. So I feel like uh, your grandmother and mine should have a beer together. <laughs> yeah, well no, she she highly disapproves of drinking. Oh highly okay. disapproves. So oh. If your if your grandmother drinks then your your grandmother is below my grandmother. Well maybe they should have a nice iced tea then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got a lot of like strange personality traits. Uh, um, I remember once I like I went to Whole Foods and uh, I got her some like high end cheese and stuff like that. Uh, and I brought it home and I told her, you know, just get whatever, eat whatever you want, try it all. And now she has been shopping at Aldi's for most of her life, um, and she she swears up and down that you know like these discount grocery store places have the best food ever, you know, and, and, and she, you know, she thinks she's the best cook of all time. And she can't make pancakes. Like it's she's a really, really bad chef, you know? So I would give her the cheese and she'd eat it. And she'd like, this is horrible. You know, you're wasting your money. And, you know, she would always get upset about that. Like she's just setting her ways, man. And uh, so when she meets people or anything she doesn't understand, which is pretty much everything at this point, because the world has changed so much since, you know, when she was a child a hundred years ago. Um, so, yeah, she's just constantly upset with everyone all the time, and she takes it out on them. 
you know, like like she thinks it's all personal that the world continues to revolve. And so, mm. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> you, uh, you had the first book come out, the Bullpen Gospels, um, got a uh, great reviews there. How soon after that uh, release did you know that you wanted to write uh, Out of My League? Well, um, I think like you know, I was going through Out of My League. Actually, when I got the deal to do the bullpen gospels, like nailed down. So the material and out of my league was was like uh, I was actually starting to get disheartened about the whole writing process because I wanted to land a book deal, and uh, you know nobody was really kind of being serious with me about it. And then I got called up to the big leagues, and when I got called up to the big leagues, I stopped reporting for out of my league because I had this huge journal. I had like. 600 pages written about my time in the minor leagues in Portland. So then I got called up, and I was like, I'm not going to write because if anybody catches me writing up here, they're going to kill me. So I had to do it based on memory. And so um, I had these great tales in Portland, but then I had this horrific experience in the big leagues. And it was so hard on me as a rookie, and not just as a rookie, but I mean, you have to understand that when I got called up, my entire life had been spent and trying to get to that point only to watch it crash and burn, right? So, like, there was this need for me to somehow get it out just for the pure catharsis of it. So, um, when the publisher was like, do you want to write another book? I wanted to write about the Vinland Column. I wanted to write those experiences out because I needed to get them out of my system, if that makes sense. Um, I had something I wanted to say, I wanted to say to the, the public almost because I wanted them to know how hard it was for me to act like I was happy all the time when I was getting destroyed at the major level. So that was, I don't know, that was something I really wanted to kind of put out there. But, of course, you know, I would not have gotten to write another book had the first book not been successful because publishers aren't in the habit of, of re-signing losers. <laughs> so that's, that's one thing that the... Uh, the baseball community and the book community have in common is they both like success and they do not pay losers. So, <laughs> so uh, as you were going through um, out of my league, was it uh, was it any easier? I know you said you were you were going through the actual uh, events as you were writing the bullpen gospels, but writing the second one was it uh, a easier e- first in the writing process, and then second with the acceptance of teammates kind of understanding what it is you were doing and how you were going about it. Well, I think that by the time, um, well, like I said, I mean, I didn't start writing out of my league for until I was with the Blue Jays. Um, so I, I think people were kind of accepting of me doing the writing thing because I spent that whole year in 2007 writing about the bull, you know, writing what would be later become the bullpen gospels. So my teammates and and most of the teammates from 2007 returned in 2008. So most of them knew what I was doing. But of course, like AAA is is a different animal. It's a, it's unique into itself in the minors because it's the only level is composed of usually 50% guys with major league time. And so when they come down, they come down like, I don't know, they're like they get this brand new ego, like the Wizard of Oz gave them a golden ego instead of, you know, a harder brain or something. <laughs> and so they come back to the AAA level, you know, and they all like, yeah, I got major league time that makes me, you know, the king of the clubhouse around here. And whatever I say, that's the rules because I got major league time. Everything, everything comes back to that, you know. 
it's like the soldier who sees action that comes back, and then he's like, you know, he's a badass because he saw action nobody else in the, in the camp has, and he gets to, like, brag about it, and, you know, they follow the rules. Like, in the show, you never get away with that crap, kid. I know. I was up there for three days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it like that. So you get guys that, you know, they think they know everything because they've got, like, a cup of a coffee, right? So these guys are the worst. And any clubhouse are the worst. The guys that don't really know everything, they didn't get enough time to really have any real clubs. They got to back it up like they do. Um, so it's like a bragging contest for them. So these guys would catch me writing, and they'd be like, what are you doing, kid? Oh, I, I, I write a journal. Oh, you can't do that at the big leagues. No, we can live up there. I don't know. I in the face, you know. I mean, it's that kind of crap. So, so I'd say, you know, a lot of people were cool with that. Um, especially because they saw what I was doing on Baseball America and they were, and they were cool with that. Uh, but a lot of guys are really, you know, you'd still have your guys that would come in and be like, you better knock that crap off or, or whatever. You can't, that's not going to fly around here, you know, law dog, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but as far as the writing process goes, I don't, it never gets any easier for me for some reason. I, I, uh, I don't know. Some people lay words down like, uh, like diamond cutters, you know, everything's precise and it's measured. And I and I write like a blacksmith, man. I just take a raw idea and I pound that for weeks and I'll get what I want out of it. And sometimes even then I have to throw it away. So um, I, I think the second book was a much harder book to write because there's much more emotional content. And uh, it was easy to just write the journalistic diary entry style, because books and gospels had a moral point, and people enjoyed that, but in large part, it was like day-to-day living, um, whereas uh, I don't know how is not. Uh, it was it was a much broader story scope, uh, and so it was more difficult for me because I think, you know, I had to be more of a writer and less of just a, uh, a reporter. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Dirk, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of the distrust of some of the people that had been in the big leagues when they saw you were writing a book and um you know your book is more of your own personal journey through the minors and into the majors it's not like ball four or canseco's book right well i think that uh i don't know there is i think that's probably what you bring up is probably why a lot of guys really scared of me because i mean what they'd known to that point in time about there's who books was is that if you're going to do it, you're going to do it uh, to destroy somebody else's career, you know, to tell the dirt about them and, and you're just to make a buck. Um, and that was not what I wanted to do. Maybe it's because, like, ever since I got into baseball, I had some kind of existential crisis at work in my life, you know? Like, what am I here? What, why is this laundry so valuable to people? You know, what is the meaning of life and baseball? And it would be like that for me all the time, you know, these deep questions. You know? All right, guys, let's go out there and win one tonight. Why? <laughs> it was just so hard for me to, to come to terms with it. So, you know, I'd have all this deeper meaning. And then, like, when you take time to think about it, I think this is something that we all struggle with, this kind of, what is a purpose? You know, why is it in our culture we think that our job will make sense of everything for us, if we can just consume enough or have enough? And, you know, why isn't anybody really happy? And why are the only people that are happy the stupid people? You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. 
it's it's just tough. Like, and so I wanted to write about that because, I mean, people are just projecting on us players all the time. Every day when you walk out there and you encounter the fans, they project on you that you must be so utterly fulfilled to do that job because that's a job that everybody would want to do. Um, and uh, and you're and, and at the same time you're like you are sometimes and you're not other times, which makes you just like everybody else, right? I mean, sometimes life is great and sometimes it isn't. But if you confess that, they're like upset with you. You know, for you saying that, you know, sometimes this is a great job and sometimes it's not, but professional baseball is a job. No! 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 But it's true. And uh, I, I guess I wanted people to know that. Like, uh, I, I don't know why. I just, I wanted people to know it. I, I, and uh, that that drove me a lot. I guess there's just more interesting things to talk about in life in general, not just baseball, than who's doing what needle and who slept with who, uh, and whose marriage is actually a sham and whose isn't. You know, I mean that stuff is uh, some garbage to me. And I feel like baseball's so important to people. Why not have an honest message mixed into a baseball story instead of all this like. You too can achieve anything you want, little Jimmy. Or guess who's left with who's life? You know, like that's just to me, it's just overdone. And I don't know. I, I feel like the world needs a more honest voice in it. Not that I, you know, feel like I'm the voice of honesty in America. I'm not some like Republican uh, front runner. I'm just saying <laughs> I wanted that, so I wrote it. Fair enough. Hey, um, <clears throat> so in this book, you're exceptionally honest with, well, especially with. Uh, I guess I don't really want to say your mental state, but you know, like uh, your state of mind. I guess you went through the the season. Um, is that just who you are? I I know I'd be self editing a lot of things that come off in a better light. Uh, well, I think that I think I've got nothing to hide, you know. Um, and so I'm all right with. I don't know, like some people. Uh, some people come at me and they're like, I'm really disappointed in you because I expect my athletes to be more sure of themselves right. and not. And that pisses me off like a lot because it's like, it's like looking at a soldier and being like, I've never been in your shoes before. I've never faced any of the things that you have, but based on what I've been sold, uh, you know, I expect you to be more than you are, sir. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, I, I, you know, I, how can you make that comment? You know, you've never been in this before. See, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's that assumptions process that bothers me. And so I realized that I can't, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. I can only speak on my own behalf and say that, you know, baseball was cool. It was awesome. And it was an amazing experience for me to make it to the big league. It was also scary as hell. You know, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was so nervous. I wanted to throw up. And it's like I'm I'm neurotic to begin with, you know. I overthink so much stuff. So why why can I? You know, I mean, and who the hell is Dirk Hayhurst, by the way? In the grand scheme <laughs> of, of all the people who have played in the big leagues, I'm a I'm a speck, you know. On the I'm a blip on the timetable of Hall of Fame greatness. So what am I going to do? Get up there and pretend like I'm awesome? Because all I have to do is look at Baseball Reference to find out that's not true, right? <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of times people forget that, you know, you're still a person. You play baseball, but there's still somebody buried inside there. You know, everybody's, everybody looks at your output and they forget that, hey, there's actually somebody standing there who is a thinking right. human being. So, 
So what makes baseball great is that uh, what makes any sport great, and I think we lose track of this in our, our quest to like turn baseballs and our baseball players or any sports figure in something or not, is that we are people. We're people. We're not inaccessible. We're not unapproachable. You know, this is stuff that like, society thought we separate each other. It's a two-way street. It's not like I play baseball and suddenly I'm better than you. No, you have to you have to confess that in your own heart for it to be true, you know? And a lot of people do. A lot of people think that celebrities are somehow vastly more intelligent, more important, and more valuable than they are. And and we've gotten to the point where we're disappointed when we find out that they're not. Right. Which is like the stupidest thing I've ever heard, man. So, I don't know. Like, I felt, I felt like if just one of us, you know, a quasi-celebrity figure like me was like, hey, guys, uh, I'm a complete rambling idiot sometimes. <laughs> just thought you would not like to know. And I'm like, that should be more inspirational to you than me being a super, like a genetic freak right from the get-go. You know, that's not even fair. Well, you, 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 I don't know. I feel like someone could at least achieve what I've accomplished if they knew that, you know, I'm really no better than they are. So Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> interesting. Well, as we uh, as you get into your book, I mean, you use a lot of a lot of nicknames. You also use a, a couple of real names. The the actual names are more people that tend to be on the on the periphery. Um, as far as the nicknames, was that your choice, or is that more of a uh, a, a request of the people that you were playing with? Oh, you know, so like, well, like you got freedom of the press and freedom of speech for a reason. I mean, I didn't have to honor anybody's request. Well, if there are guys that I play with that I just want to kick right out in front of the bus and watch them get flattened. I mean, <laughs> they're good. You know, at this point, like, I've taken enough crap for being the writing player to tell you that there have been guys who have crossed the line with me um, about their with their paranoia and fear and threats that I've just been like, you know, I wasn't going to, but now that you've said that, I'm pretty much going to just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> these, things, these things happen, and, and it bothers me a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it's really hard for you to write a book that has any kind of moral purpose or commentary and have people take it seriously when most of your rhetoric is straight out attacking somebody. Yeah. So in order for it to, to have some kind of substance, you can't turn it into, like, revenge rhetoric, you know? So... I feel like the story works. People are entertained. They still enjoy the insights on the game. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're, I honestly believe that, you know, we're rooting for laundry out there because we hardly know the superstars that we root for. If you think about it like, oh, so-and-so is a good job. He's a great person because he has a charity in his name. Yeah, he has a charity in his name because he makes millions of dollars every year and he's a tax trade-off. Almost all of them have it. But at least they got to pick the flavor of the charity, you know? So, like, he said hi to me once. That's great. That makes him a human being, a civil human being, not a wonderful person. So, you know, we need to think about, like, our value structure there. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I didn't have to I didn't have to protect anybody, um, and I didn't want to, like, over-glorify anybody. But, again, like, I feel the game is interesting enough in itself. Um, that I could I could just talk about players as if they were lottery and and tell you their stories uh, and people would still find their stories fascinating even if and, and that was like a, a bet I had like I'll bet people are still going to enjoy this even though it's not a Rod doing it it's just a, it's just some random player you know 
I'm sure that it's interesting in its own, and I and I guess I was proven right. So, um, yeah, so those are my reasons. I agree with that because, I mean, I say all the time I root for the logo on the front, not the name on the back. And, I mean, as long as a guy's succeeding, I don't care who he is, what he looks like, or where he came from. So, mm-hmm. so you don't. You mean Steven Strasburg means nothing to you, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, because he's successful, he means something to me. But you know, oh, I see. You want to be hypocrite? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I actually, I actually made it kind of a game going through uh, out of my league uh, with some of the nicknames, trying to decipher exactly who they were. And the one that stumps me the most is. Uh, is Dallas Preston? You uh, you actually mentioned towards the beginning of the book that some people are are a, a more of a combination of personalities uh, to make the book flow a little better. Was was Dallas one guy or was he more of an amalgamation? Oh, what do you like to know? Mm-hmm. These <laughs> nicknames for a reason, Mister Flying Pants. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> no, no, he is. A, he is. A, he is. Almost entirely one individual, but enough <laughs> factoids were amalgamated to totally protect him. Okay. He was he was almost entirely one person. It was a scary amount of one person actually. I, uh, um, and I, I amalgamated. I think I have him pegged. I'm not I'm not going to bring it up here, but I, I think I have who it is. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I have no idea. I, yeah, I'm not going to tell you, of course, but <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, some, I think some people are starting to kind of crack that that one, but I again, I'm sworn to secrecy, so I can't sure. can't help you there. Actually, <laughs> I got to tell you that I just I just signed a deal with my publishing house actually the other day um, to write uh, extra innings out of my league. Um, so uh, you know, depending on when the, the third book comes out, and now obviously the you know the proliferation of social. <laughs> Media and e-media has made like e-books way more popular. So uh, there's like 14 scrapped chapters that never made it in to the book. Um, and then like I put almost 70 pages of the 2008 journal, all these stories and stuff, in there. So and I and I don't always use the ciphers in the journal entries. So you might be able to figure out more of the guys through that book. Uh, through this ebook that will be coming out, which have like pictures and, and excerpts and stuff. Um, so yeah, so if you really, if it's really bothering you, you know, this next one will be like your Rosetta Stone of of baseball names. Oh uh, well, uh, count me first in line for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I've really enjoyed both your books, and you know, I remember one time when I was, uh, you know, I was an English major, and when I was first really getting into baseball, I asked. Uh, in one of Thomas Boswell's chats, I said, you know, what are some really good baseball novels? And he said, forget the novels, read the books that are written by the people on the field. And, you know, reading your two books, I've seen that's that's really true. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that you're going to continue uh, writing. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with you. I uh, I get frustrated with, with uh, like, people who are like, Oh, your book doesn't say, you know, like your book's like, it's like, it's like not even honest, or it's, uh, you know, it's just juvenile behavior. Now, so-and-so, who was a great Oxford observer on baseball, who followed the team around, now he can write. Oh, so that's a You know? And I, and I read that, and I'm like, 
my God. I mean, like, this is great from, like, a historical perspective, but you're talking, like, when I read a book about baseball, from a player's perspective, I don't want to read a book about baseball like I'm recounting the moves in a World War II battle or, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, or like General Lee marched his army in the ninth inning and brought out the closer. I don't want to hear that. You know? Because to me, that's not how the, that's not how the game works, man. And you lose all the stuff that goes into it around the game. And even if you've got a guy who's like talking about what's happening on and off the field, None of those guys can talk about what's happening inside the player's head, you know. And that's uh, and that's a place where I feel, um, you know, we lose touch with a lot of things there, like how the player is is kind of trying to make himself more than human so he can be successful, you know, but also has to stay in touch with humanity so he can survive in life because the game is not life. So I. I you know, those elements kind of get lost in the shuffle unless you have somebody that's really was really doing it and playing it. And I think, you know, if you look back through all the player memoirs I can think of, like uh, A False Spring uh, and uh, uh, Lane Fountain's book, and there are a couple others, a lot of them have this kind of, like, excited but melancholy-ness to them at the same time. And I feel like you miss that a lot when you read books by people who are outside the game observing in. No, and that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely um, evident in your book. Uh, well, I've got, uh, I've got one quick question for you, and then we're, uh, we're going to let you go. Um, early in the book, you have, a, you have a pretty funny encounter with a, uh, a college kid during the offseason uh, who, you, who you call Curls. Um, Captain Curls. Captain Curls. <laughs> oh, so uh, he, just, worked hard, he worked hard for that rank. I feel like we should at least acknowledge it. <laughs> so, just out of curiosity, is he uh, is he worse off than Dan Uglo with the Popeye arms? Captain Curls. Oh my gosh! Absolutely, he's worse <laughs> off. <than this. laughs> because, like, at least at least Dan Uglo has accomplished something. He can be proud of to justify him. You know, like this guy's like, you know, ah. Gosh, you know, there's a lot of college kids that way too that, that like posture themselves to be superstars. And again, I mean, it's it's just funny, like the the imitation of not just on, if you can't imitate unfillability, I guess if you don't really have it, at least you can imitate what you think it gives you, right? Which is this ego, and I don't know. It's 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 funny to me. Like there's this thing in baseball. It's called fake it till you make it. Um, and, and it's like, they fake the attitude and the swagger and the belief in themselves, you know, and, and how they manifest that, you know, like the fake earrings, the fake pants, the really stupid tattoos, you know, uh, it's, it's really kind of pathetic. I mean, these guys are, they look like, like, uh, uh, guys that like failed auditions from Jersey Shore, you know, and it's and they think like that's what you do, man. That's what you do when you're a big leaguer, buddy. You are so far away from the big leagues right now. You're like in a D three school, you know, and you're the captain of a D three school, but you're the captain because you're like a fifth year senior, not because you were like a league MVP last year. I mean, it's like a courtesy captain. Like, look, you've been here. Longer than everyone else. That makes you a captain. We're not going to listen to anything you say, but, I mean, here's a C. Congratulations. Your parents are proud. Like, that kind of thing. So, I don't know, man. I, I hate the false the false swagger. Um, I hate the posturing. I hate the ego, really, at any level. Because, to me, like, 
Um, you've not really done anything in college. Um, they say, like, tradition never graduates. You know what else doesn't graduate? Stupidity. Like, stay in, stay in school and, and, like, get your degree. Then I'll respect you because you've done something. I mean, that's important to do. Like, the baseball stuff's going to fade away. And unless you go to the big leagues and play for hundreds of years, even then I'm, I'm not going to respect you unless you use that platform for some positive impact. Because numbers and stats don't wow me anymore. People with integrity, to use the opportunity they have in front of the group, to, to mold and shape society, that impresses me. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally rambling, rambling on my own tangent now. But, uh, Carry on that. But thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dirk, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, yeah. If I could talk, anything you want to plug while uh, we've got you on? No, I, uh, I just, I mean, I, I appreciate you guys uh, talking about the books and giving me this opportunity to speak with you. And, uh, you know, I encourage readers, if they really want to see what it's like to be a player, uh, both externally and internally, uh, to pick up one of my books, either the bullpen gospels or out of my league. All righty. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you. That was New York Times bestselling author Dirk Hayhurst. His book, Out of My League, is available in stores and on e-readers now. You can also follow him on Twitter, at the Garfoos. As always, you can follow the show here at Sits of Natstown. Woo! Thanks once again to Creative House for the assistance with our logo. And that, Nats fans, is your citizens of Natstown for Thursday, March 22nd. Until next week, we are Ghost.